if you have your Bible, Joshua chapter 10 is my text for today, beginning in verse number 7. The scripture says, so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear for them, for I have delivered them into your hand, not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Mecca. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. And there were more who died from the hailstorms than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ahajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasser? So the sun stood in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like it before or after that the Lord heeded the voice of man. For the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Today we're continuing in our series, Get Your Mojo Back. And today I want to talk to you about what I consider to be one of the most underutilized, overlooked, and undervalued spiritual tools that God has given us. It's the tool of prayer. Whenever you and I think about getting our edge back or getting our mojo back, we so often think about things that we can do that everybody can do. We think about things like, you know, being more intentional. We think about things like losing some weight. We think about things like, you know, working harder. We think about things like, you know, uh, networking a little bit more. We think about things like increasing our social media footprint. You know, all these things we think will give us an edge. And those are all fine and good things. But in my mind, they pale in comparison to what came out of Joshua's mouth, a 13-word audacious prayer that shifted the trajectory of what Joshua was experiencing. And so today I want to talk to you on the subject of prayer, but my title is called Game Changer because that's what prayer is. It's a game changer. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak powerfully, mightily and clearly to every single person in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated. History is replete with game-changing moments. The Battle of Alamo, the Boston Tea Party, the Declaration of Independence, the Emancipation Proclamation, the Battle of Gettysburg, the Industrial Revolution, the Louisiana Purchase, Neil Armstrong on the Moon, what we just celebrate Last week, MLK's I Have a Dream speech and life. FDR and the New Deal, the Civil Rights Act. Pearl Harbor, the atomic bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima that ended World War II. The election of 
Barack Obama, the first black president of the United States, the 1929 stock market crash and the ensuing Great Depression, Vietnam, Watergate, the Wright brothers, the end of apartheid, Jackie Robinson crossing the color barrier and playing in Major League Baseball, Jesse Owens in the 1936 Olympics disproving the superiority of the Aryan race. On and on we can go. History is replete with game-changing moments. Moments that shifted the course of where we were headed. What is a game changer? It is an event, it's an idea, it's a procedure, it's a thing. It's a person that affects significant shift in the current manner of doing or thinking about something. It could also be a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. Something or someone that affects the results or the outcome. Prayer is a game changer. It is not a wish. It's not a last resort. It's not a religious activity. It's not something that you just do when you don't know what to do. It's not a long shot. It's not a feeble attempt to fix a frustrating or failing situation. Prayer is a game changer. It's an invitation to get heaven involved. It's the pathway to experiencing providence and power. It is an opportunity to rig the outcome. It is a decision to tilt the odds in your favor. It's what makes the fight that you are involved in unfair for your opponent. It's the seed that grows into seeing the supernatural. It's the thing, the event, the action, the answer to seeing a shift in your circumstance that you've been scratching your head about. It is the medium by which God does miracles. It is the vehicle by which victory comes. It is the agent that puts the enemy on the run. It's the one thing the enemy doesn't want you to do. And that's why you get sleepy when you try it. That's why you're too busy to be consistent with it. Because the enemy understands that if you ever pray, it is a game changer. And I can think of no better illustration of this story than the story that is in our text as we come to the text, we find Joshua leading the children of Israel into a place that they've longed for for better than 40 years, the promised land. Better than 40 years because you know the story. They were in Egyptian captivity for 400 years. And so finally, Moses leads them out and they wander in the wilderness. Moses was able to lead them out, but he wasn't able to lead them in. Just as an aside, I want you to know that oftentimes we are part of a continuum. We are part of a process in fulfilling the plan of God that, that our part may just be that a part. It may not be the whole part. And we need to be okay with that because at the end of the day, our life is not our own, that we've been bought with a price. And what we are here for is to glorify God. And so Moses' part was to lead them out, but Joshua was the one who was tasked to lead them in. And when we find out about Joshua, we find out about an individual who is not an overnight success. And I've been sharing little tidbits along these same lines for a few weeks now because I want to challenge the paradigm that so many people are, 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 are puzzled about. How do we become successful? How do we do something of significance? And so many people struggle in this area because they are waiting for their big break and their big moment because they believe that success is a sudden thing, that it happens as, a, as just a good break comes your way. But when we study the life of Joshua, one of the things that becomes apparent to all of us is that success. Success is something that is sowed for in seasons that you never see until you finally see them. You understand what I mean by that? 
Joshua is not an instant success. He is somebody that has served Moses for over 40 years as a servant. He is one of those faithful ones that have been in the background while Moses has been leading. He was one of only two people who when the children of Israel went out into the promised land to spy it out, that came back with a good report that said we are well able to do this. Joshua has spent a season of 40 years sowing for the role that he's now about to step into. Never underestimate estimate your seasons of sowing because how you sow and who you are when nobody's eyes are on you are a huge determining factor into how God uses you at the moment that he chooses you. Are you with me? And so we find Joshua not an overnight success. We find Joshua, this is somebody who has seen great things. This is somebody who has, who has watched God as he stepped into the Jordan River at flood stage, part the waters. This is somebody who has seen God with a shout deliver a city, namely Jericho, into his hands. This is somebody that has lost battles that he should have won, namely Ai, and that is when Achan, if you remember the story in the Bible, touched of the accursed thing, which was the spoil of Jericho which was the first city in the promised land because anything that is first belongs to God. It's a place of honor. And when we touch that which belongs to God, we set ourselves up to lose battles that we should have won. And so they walked into Ai, which was a city that they should have defeated, and they got defeated because they didn't honor God first. How many of us are losing battles that we should be winning because God's not first in our life? And then what happened is when they figured out what was wrong, they went back and they won the battle that defeated them. And sometimes in life, the key to going forward is going back and winning what has defeated you in your past so God can use it as part of your future. Am I preaching too quick this morning? And so Joshua is not a Johnny-come-lately. He's not somebody who is sudden. He's somebody who is stepping into something that he sowed for for a very long period of time. And now he is on a roll, if you will. His assignment is to keep taking ground in the promised land. And, and the news of Joshua and Israel and God fighting for them is spreading throughout all the land. And they know that the same God that raided now plagues and, and the same God that parted the Red Sea is now on Israel's side. And so fear begins to fall on all of their enemies. Can I just remind somebody that your power is not in your own might and strength. You and I all by ourselves are really insignificant. But if we can ever get the Savior to be on our side, there's nothing that we cannot experience. Because when God is on your side, the odds are stacked in your favor. And so now everybody knows that the God of Israel, the same God that fought for them when they got out of Egypt, is fighting for them. And fear falls upon everybody. And so as fear is falling upon everybody, there are five kings that form a confederacy in the promised land in order to fight against Joshua because they realize that in their own might or by themselves, they're not strong enough to even put up a struggle against Joshua. And so they come together. They join forces. Has stuff ever joined forces against you in life? How many has ever seen stuff begin to pile up against you? Now this thing happens, and then that thing happens, and then another thing happens, and then another thing, ha another thing happens. And you think, where's all this stuff coming from? And I've learned to consider those times special moments. Say, Pastor, why are they special? 
Because they are always an indication that the enemy is scared about what God is about to set free in my life. And so even though I don't enjoy those seasons where everything comes against me, I realize they're, they're special seasons that I'm on the doorstep of God doing something significant. And so if you're here today and a lot is coming against you all at once, can I just remind you to look with the eyes of faith between the storm before or, or, or with through the storm, that's the word I'm looking for, that is coming against you. I got too quick for myself on that one. <laughs> and so these confederate kings are coming against him. And uh, God gives him a word. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand, and not a man of them shall be able to stand before you. And so I love when God gives us instructions, he often gives us insight. As God is speaking to Joshua with an instruction, he's giving us insight into our own lives and the things that we walk through because notice what he says. He says, don't be afraid. I've given them. How many of you know there would be no reason for God to say don't be afraid if Joshua wasn't tempted to be afraid? Oftentimes when we go through battles, it's natural to feel afraid. The, the thing that we have to battle through is not allowing the fear to paralyze us from stepping out in faith. And what we need to realize, and unfortunately we've been taught to the contrary of this, is that if there is fear, we are in no position to step out because fear kills faith. But I've learned that the step of faith kills fear. Did you get the difference? A lot of people will tell you that fear kills faith, but I've learned that the step of faith kills fear. So that if I'm actually struggling with a fearful thought about something that God has asked me to do, and there's a step of faith for me to take, if I will take that step of faith, God will part the waters on my behalf, and then I will see there's really nothing to be afraid of. And so some of you need to step out in this season. This is your season not to be conservative, but this is your season to go for it in life. And so God gives him this word. And uh, Joshua so it begins to step forward and, and, and these five confederate kings decide to, to strike first. And so they assemble together and Joshua, Joshua hears about it. So he says, I'm not going to let them come against me and have the first hand. And he marches 25 miles through the night before he's about to go into a battle. And the reason why he's marching is to be on the offensive because he doesn't want to fight the battle on the enemy's terms. He wants to fight the battle on his own terms. Can I encourage somebody not to wait until you have a problem to pray? When you wait until you have a problem to pray, even though prayer is still that powerful that it will work, and what it does is it kind of puts you on your heels a little bit. I've learned to pray not at just the bad times, but pray all the time. Because during the times when nothing is going wrong, I'm taking ground so that way when the enemy does come against me, he doesn't have the upper hand in the situation. Not pray some of the times, but pray all of the time. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said man ought always to pray and never to cease. And so Joshua goes on the offensive, and he goes on the offensive, and right from Jump Street, it seems like a decisive victory. Joshua is slaying a person after person, and army after army, and God gets involved, and God begins to rain down hailstorms on all of the five Confederate kings, and they're about to be wiped out. But remember what God said. He said, not one of them will be able to stand against you. And suddenly Joshua notices something that is happening. He notices that they're about to escape because 
because the sun is going down. And as the sun is going down, Joshua begins to remember that, you know what, he needs to get a total victory here. And in the midst of that, the instinctive solution that Joshua comes up with is a small and underutilized weapon called prayer. He prays a 13-word prayer. Sun, stand still. Moon, stay in its place. Small but powerful, simple yet profound, sudden but supernatural. And in this story, we find out why prayer is a game changer. Number one, it's a game changer because it turns our mistakes into miracles. Anybody here ever make a mistake? <laughs> we all make mistakes. Can I, can I go deeper? Anybody ever make a mistake that made you feel like because you did that, you will always have to deal with this? Anybody ever make a mistake that said because you did that, you'll never experience this? Like the mistake has caused your, you to miss your moment forever and ever and ever and ever. Anybody ever feel like that? You know, we all feel like that sometimes. And I found out this, that we all make mistakes and we all have moments like that. And that's why God puts people in the Bible like Joshua who we are in the same company as. Because one of the things that you may not realize is that there is something going on behind the scenes. In the middle of this 13-word audacious prayer, this prayer is actually prompted by a mistake, as is in the case with many of us. Have you ever noticed that mistakes that are often regrettable sometimes wind up being remarkable because they make us pray? Let me say it again. Have you ever noticed that mistakes which are sometimes regrettable often wind up being remarkable because they make us pray? Did, did you catch what I'm telling you? What I'm telling you is there are times in our life where we are prayerless because we have no problems. Right? Have you ever noticed that? How our prayer life kind of goes with when there's a problem, our prayer life is high. When there ain't no problem, our prayer life is non-existent. And so what often happens is during those times of mistakes that are regrettable, they often become remarkable because they push us into a place of prayer. And prayer becomes the great game changer to see our mistakes turn into miracles. And so it started out one way, God turned around and used another way, all because we actually prayed. Joshua is in that situation here. What are you talking about, pastor? Well, there's a pretext to our text. There's a part of the story that I didn't read and that many of you probably don't know about. And in life, by the way, there's always a pretext to the text. There's always a part of the story that plays a part in the story that you don't realize when you're experiencing the story. There's always a part of the story, a hidden part, a forgotten part that plays a part in the story that you don't realize while you're going through the story. There's always something that is a cause. There's always a reason behind the why of what somebody is experiencing in their life. And the pretext to our text is that Joshua enters into a treaty that was a mistake. There was a group of people known as the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites were in the next town over that God had told Joshua to go ahead and take out. 
And they heard about the power and military might of Israel and Joshua. And so they decided before Joshua kills them to make a peace treaty with Joshua. But if they said to Joshua they were from the next town over, Joshua would not have made a peace treaty with them because God commanded him to destroy everything in the next town. And so what they decided to do was deceive Joshua and they pretended they were from a a long, faraway land. And so they went out to meet Joshua and their clothes were ragged and they were dirty and they looked haggard and they were tired and they even brought stale bread with them. And they brought the bread and the provisions which were old and crusty and musty and and nasty. And they said to Joshua, look, we've come from a faraway land and we've traveled far because we heard about your God and we want to serve your God and we want to be in a peace treaty with you and the nation of Israel. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that they sampled their provisions. Joshua chapter 9 verse number 14. The Israelites sampled their provisions. They tasted the bread. Yeah, it's nasty. It's crusty. They looked at their clothes. Nobody would be that dirty if they just lived around the corner. They'd go home and take a shower. They look like they're tired. They look like they're weary. They definitely look like they're coming from a faraway land. The Israelites sampled their provision but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assemblies ratified it with an oath. Why was it a mistake? And by the way, it was found out later that they were lying about it. And you know what their punishment was? They were sentenced to serve the priest around the altar of God. This amazes me. Because those that lied were loud, close to the presence of God. And even though it's not my message, it is an important message. Because so many times in the body of Christ we think that when people do something that is wrong that we have a Christian responsibility to create distance from them and the things of God. You can't serve here. You can't do that. You can't do this. And I've learned something that that doesn't really help anybody get closer to God. What it does is it makes people experience rejection from God. And ultimately they run away in shame. So I've learned something that when people do what's wrong, I think that we ought to show them the goodness of God because it's the goodness of God that leads people to a place of repentance. And so these people that made a mistake were actually invited to be close to the altar. Maybe God had something in store for them. Maybe what God wanted to do is maybe he wanted to turn their lives around as well. And so Joshua enters into this treaty with the Gibeonites because, notice, he did not, they did not inquire of the Lord. They sampled their provisions. They tasted the food, and they saw that it was stale. They looked at what it looked like, and that based on their senses, they came to a decision that what they were saying was right, but they forgot to pray. They forgot to institute the game changer. They forgot to avail themselves from the wisdom that is from another world. They forgot to ask God about it, and they made a mistake because they didn't pray. Can I make it real? But the job looked so good. The money was in my favor. It looked like it was better for my family. It was closer. They promised me more. And so I took it. The relationship that I entered into, they said they were a Christian. They said they loved me. They said they they treated me so nice for that first week. And so I, I got into the relationship. They said I was the only one. It looked good 
on the outside. But after I got in, after I signed on the dotted line, suddenly I feel like the job wasn't what they said it was going to be and the relationship wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I surveyed it only on the outside and I went by my senses, but I forgot to check with the most important person on the planet. I forgot to use the tool that God has given me to look behind the scenes of what it looks like and to get inside information so that I wouldn't make a mistake but I didn't do it and I got all in and now I'm in over my head. Joshua made a treaty with people that said they were from a faraway land even though they lived next door. He made a mistake because he didn't inquire of the Lord. Suddenly, these five confederate kings that are joining forces against Joshua hear that the Gibeonites have entered into a treaty with Joshua. And so what they decide to do is they decide to attack the Gibeonites to give them the what for and the payback for siding with the enemy. And while the Gibeonites are about ready to be attacked, you know what they do? They send word to Joshua and they tell Joshua, remember the treaty that we have? You are supposed to protect us. And so Joshua marches through the night for 25 five miles to engage in a fight that he was in because he made a mistake. Have you ever been in a fight because you made a mistake? Have you ever experienced circumstances in your life that you shouldn't necessarily be experiencing because you made a mistake, because you didn't inquire of the Lord, and now you're in the fight for your life on not your terms but on somebody else's terms, and the enemy is playing mind games with you and asking you questions like, well, can you really pray now because you failed to inquire of the Lord? Will God really listen to you because you did what you shouldn't have done. You knew it was wrong, but you did it anyway, and God's not going to hear your prayers. Pastor, can I pray when I've made a mistake? One of the things that blesses me, because if you got around me long enough, you'd know how fouled up and faulty I am. One of the things that blesses me, some of you thought I was going to curse today. I wasn't going to curse. Look at you, you polluted minds. I, I, I felt that in the spirit, especially from you, Billy. You thought specifically. <laughs> I see you. You thought that. <laughs> One of the things that blesses me is to know that this prayer was motivated by a mistake. Joshua is engaged in a fight that he shouldn't be in. But in the middle of this fight that Joshua shouldn't be in, Joshua decides to pray, not a small prayer, not an insignificant prayer, not a God, well, can you kind of help me get out of this thing? God, whatever help you give me, I would seriously appreciate that thing. No, the Bible says that Joshua prays an audacious, bold prayer. And you know what he does? He prays it in the presence. Did you notice that? He prayed it in the presence of all of Israel. If I was going to pray, son, stand still. And moon, stay in your place. I wouldn't say that in front of thousands upon thousands of people. I'd be like, son, stand still. 
but he put it right out there. And here's what I think is amazing, that God answered that prayer and that thing that started off as a mistake morphed into a miracle because Joshua tapped into and stepped into and utilized the most undervalued and underutilized weapon that we have, and that's the game changer called prayer. Can I encourage somebody who might be experiencing something right now that is the result of a mistake to go to God in prayer and use the game changer and watch God turn your mistake into a miracle. Now what I love about this is this has really been something that has ministered to me dramatically in the last few months. Because years ago, God told me to start a church in, in New York City. And God was very specific and supernatural. And he said, do it in Times Square. So we started a church in Times Square. And we were killing it from day one. I mean, it was amazing to see how many people we were reaching. But as time went on, I saw that we were losing about $18,000 a month because the rents in New York City are extraordinary. And so I began to consider moving the church from Times Square to another place where it would be cheaper. And um, I made a financial decision instead of a spiritually correct decision. Have you ever done that? How many has ever done that before? Every hand should be up. You know why? Because as a pastor, I know people make this decision every week. It's called paying my bills instead of my tithe. <laughs> Come on, can we just be real? Right? And, and what I found out was that when I made that decision and we moved the church to Harlem, the church has struggled in terms of reaching people ever since we moved there. To the point where I have been diligently praying and seeking the Lord about, God, should I just go back to Times Square and believe you to provide and, and make up the difference? And I was struggling and struggling because we've kind of been in Harlem now for a while and we've established roots there. And although we're not experiencing the success that we want to experience there, we, we have made some, some solid community connections. And so I've been praying, and finally, I was studying the other day, and I was studying the Jabez prayer, which I was going to preach on, and this prayer. And as I was studying the Jabez prayer, you remember that prayer? Oh, that you would bless me and bless me indeed, that your hand would be on me, that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be on me, that I might not cause evil. And what I heard the Lord say to me is he said, pray the Jabez prayer over Harlem. So I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, will you bless Harlem? Will you bless it indeed? Will you enlarge its territory? Would you put your hand on it? And here's the final point. Would you stop me from making stupid mistakes? That's what I prayed. And I heard God say to me, absolutely, he said, I will bless Harlem. I will bless it indeed. I was waiting for you to ask. I was waiting for you to get through the struggle. I will do something supernatural there. Even though it's a mistake, what is going to happen, it's going to turn into a miracle. And then he said this, but after I turn Harlem into a miracle, he said, don't forget about Times Square. And I just said that in the presence of everybody. Because if you saw the evidence, you would think God's really going to have to do something. What is my point? God wants to take your mistakes and turn them into miracles. Number two, 
The reason why prayer is a game changer is because it allows you to have total and complete victory. Remember what was happening. God said he would give them all, but Joshua and God had only killed some. The sun was going down. If I was in Joshua's shoes, I wouldn't have prayed, sun stand still. I would have been like, that's a pretty good victory right there. We got most of them. You know, we, we enjoyed the day. We, we ran them off. Have you ever prayed until it got manageable? But not prayed until you saw your full miracle. Have you ever prayed just, just until you could manage through the situation? Just until it was something that was all right. Now you can move on in life. But the remnants of it was still there. But you know, you, you got enough from God to, to be good with the situation. And so instead of praying through, you stopped praying because it became manageable. And what God wants you to know is prayer is such a game changer that if you will pray through, you can go beyond manageable to absolute miracle. God wants to give you a total victory, but a total victory takes an absolute commitment to pray until you see the full result. Prayer is that much of a game changer. The third reason why prayer is a game changer is because it is the difference maker in your day. Did you notice what the text said? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has never been a day like it before after that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought it for Israel. Prayer made the difference that day. Matter of fact, technically it doubled the daylight that day. Made the day doubly full of sunshine. Pastor, I'm having a bad day. Pray. If prayer can make the difference in a day, here's what I found about. It can make the difference in a day. It can make the difference in a week. If it can make the difference in a day and a week, it can make the difference in a month. If it can make the difference in the day, week, and month, it can make the difference in a year. If it can make the difference in a year, it can make the difference in a life. If it can make the difference in a life, it can make a difference in the kind of legacy that we leave. Why aren't we praying? Prayer is the difference maker. I really love this one, and that's why I sped through the other two also because it's getting late. Number four, prayer is a game changer because prayer releases the power of the prompt. Everything is going just the way Joshua wants it to go. One commentator says this. No doubt Joshua had an extraordinary impulse or impression upon his spirit, which he knew to be of divine origin, prompting him to desire that this miracle might be wrought upon this occasion. Pastor, that's too deep for me. Can you break it down? I got you. I got you. Everything is going the way Joshua wants it to. I mean, he's kicking butt and taking names. They are wiping everybody out. But the sun is coming down. And as the sun is coming down, what he was commanded to wipe out at that moment is potentially going to live to fight a day. And instead of dealing with his situation and his mistake being over, his mistake runs the risk of, 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 of living on in his future. And as he sees this, here's what the commentator is saying happened, that something prompted him in his spirit to wish for something that was extraordinary. And what Joshua actually did as he's seeing the sun go down is he's saying, wouldn't it be great if it stayed lighter longer today? Wouldn't it be great if the sun, on the inside he's hearing this, wouldn't it be great if today the sun did not go down at the scheduled time? Wouldn't it be great instead of having eight hours of sunlight today? Today we had 16 hours of sunlight. He's hearing something deep down on the inside, a prompt. Have you ever heard a prompt on the inside? Have you ever dreamed something that was absurd? 
something that was, that as you dreamt it, as you, as you heard it on the inside, you heard something in your head up here. You, you were prompted down here and you heard something down here. You were prompted down here for something spectacular and you heard up here that that was stupid. Has that ever happened to you? What God is telling you, believe for this. Step in to this, and your head is saying that can't ever happen. Nobody ever has seen the sun stand still. Joshua, what is that? What is that when you dream? What is it the dream that you have, I wish my marriage could be better? What is it the dream that you have, I wish I was so blessed that I could write a check for whatever the Lord says to write a check for? I wish I was that kind of blessed. I wish the song that I wrote hit number one. I wish the book that I had was number one on the bestseller list. I, I wish that I, my business went here. and my What is that dream that you've heard prompted on the inside? What is that? That is, or who is that? That is the Holy Spirit prodding you to step into the plan of God. But do you know why? My phone just went off. But do you know why so many of us never experience that prod in the natural? Because the power of the prod is released in prayer. The only way that you can experience what the Holy Spirit is prompting you on the inside is to pray it so it manifests on the outside. Prayer is the transporter that takes your dreams from the unseen realm into the experienced realm. It is the medium by which God moves a situation out of your spirit into your experience. And so many times dreams die not simply because they were never intended to come to pass, but because we were never intentional about praying them to pass. Are you with me today? I told the first service, I said, if you're with me, if the cooking is good, if the food, food is good, don't just sit there and eat, but say, mmm, mmm, let, some, let somebody know, nod, shake, don't just stare, it's rude. I need to know I'm connecting on some level, or if I'm just too deep for you, you need to pull it back a little bit. Prayer releases the power of the prompt. What is God prompting you in your spirit to pray about that seems crazy and seems audacious and seems supernatural that your mind is saying is so stupid? Can I just encourage you? Pray anyway. There's a story about a young man by the name of Paul. And Paul was dying of tuberculosis. One of his lungs had collapsed. He was a Korean young man. And so he heard a lot about idol gods. And while he was on his deathbed, he, he prayed to some of them. And he chose one God. And he prayed. He said, he said uh, if you're real, heal my body. No answer. He prayed to another one of these gods. If you're real, heal my body. No answer. Third one, if you're real, heal my body. No answer. Finally, he said, if there is a God out there, can you show me how to die? He was afraid to die. As he prayed that prayer, there was a young college girl who was walking past the building that he was living in, the town home that he was living in, she said she felt this uncontrollable impulse, this pull toward the house of love. It's a prompt. And so she went over to the house, and she knocked at the door. And she said, I know this seems weird. By the way, if God ever prompts you to do something that you know is weird, let the other person who God has told you to tell it to know that you know it's weird. <laughs> can, I, can I get a witness on that? You know, like Christians can be crazy sometimes. 
They think they're helping the Lord out. They ain't helping nobody out. You know, you start doing something that's bananas and you don't let the other person know that you know it's bananas, they're going to think you're crazy. They're going to be like, yeah, yeah, no, not coming to your church. Thank you very much. <laughs> she knocked on the door. She said, she said, I know this sounds crazy. She said, but is there something that I can pray with you about? It was the mother of Paul. She started to cry. She said, my son's on his deathbed. Would you come and pray for him? She led him to the Lord on his deathbed, but his life wasn't over because the Lord miraculously, through that experience, healed his body. Paul is Dr. Paul Youngie Cho, who has one of, if not the largest churches in the world in Korea. 500,000 plus show up in attendance every single week. 500,000. Why? Because somebody had the audacity to pray the power of the, to release the power of the prompt in prayer. Prayer is transformational. Prayer sees God does amazing miracles in our life. If God is prompting you, pray. Can I tell you, you just know when you connect, you hear that prompt and you pray that prayer and you feel God answer. But then number five, and I'm almost done. Prayer is a game changer because it causes God to move heaven and earth for you. You know what I love about God and Joshua? You know Joshua prayed an incorrect prayer, right? Matter of fact, how many wants to bet me that I could pray the same prayer as Joshua prayed right now and God will answer it? Before it even leaves my lips. Let me see if you want to pray me on that. Anybody want to? I'm taking bet nods on that. I give you a million to one that God will answer that prayer even before it gets off my lips. What did Joshua pray? He said, Sun stand still. Watch this, watch this. Sun stand still. Moon stay in its place. Done. The sun never moves. The moon is always in its place. It's not the sun that moves, even though we speak about the sun as if it's the sun that sets and the sun that rises. And the moon never moves. The moon is, it's the earth that rotates. And so Joshua really didn't pray the right prayer. What he should have prayed is, earth, stop moving. But instead he prayed, sun, stand still. But here's what I love about God and what I love about the prayer is even though it was the wrong prayer, it was the right heart. And even though sometimes we don't pray exactly right, if we approach our heavenly father with the right heart, God will move heaven and earth for us. Do you know what God actually did for Joshua? He slowed down. He caused 6.66 trillion tons of gravel and water to stop in its place so that Joshua's prayer would be answered. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. God caused 6.66 trillion tons of gravel and water to stop in its place so that Joshua's prayer would be answered. Can I tell you how powerful prayer is? God will move heaven and earth for you through prayer. Very literally, won't he? He said in Matthew 18, he said, whatsoever you bind on earth 
will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Translation, I'll move heaven if you invite me from the earth. Literally, I'll move heaven and earth for you. What's the context? Verse number 19, the very next verse says, If any two or three of you agree on earth that's touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. What's the context? Prayer. What's he saying? I'll move heaven and earth for you. It's amazing what God will do through prayer because it is a game changer. And lastly, the reason why prayer is a game changer is because it moves the game changer into action on our behalf. One of the things that I've noticed about the scripture is there's very rarely an occurrence where God does something outside of prayer. Matter of fact, some of the great revivalists of our time, our past generations, John Wesley, he said, it seems like God can do nothing except a man ask him. And when you study the scriptures, you notice there is this, this correlation between prayer and the game changer stepping in. In Acts chapter number 16, Paul and Silas pray, the Bible says, at the midnight hour. And they sing praises. And they were in bonds and in shackles and in a prison. But when they prayed, the scripture says that the game changer, God stepped in and he shook the prison cell and their bonds fell to the feet and their prison doors were open. They prayed and the game changer moved into place. In Acts chapter 12, it says that Peter was in prison. But while Peter was in prison, the scripture then notes, but prayer from the church went up for Peter constantly. Some of you are in a season where it requires not just a prayer here and a prayer there, but you're in a season that requires constant prayer. And that's okay because it doesn't mean you have to quit your job and stop uh, seeing people and all of that kind of stuff, but it means that your heart has to be in an ever place of just, just inquiring of the Lord and asking the Lord and mulling over the promises of God in your life. But because constant prayer went up, the scripture says that God sent an angel literally that tapped Peter on the shoulder while he was in prison and escorted him out of the prison. Prayer, a game changer, moved the game changer into place. You might remember the story of Esther in the Bible. She finally said, I'll go before the king. She said, but if I'm going to go before the king and risk my life, I need to call the, the congregation. I need to call the people of Israel to a time of fasting and praying. She said, I'll go, you pray. If I'm going to risk my life, I need you to do something that will cause God, the game changer, to step into the situation that looks like I might die. And so they prayed and she went. And instead of the king killing her, the king held out the golden scepter. Why? Because when you induce a game changer called prayer, it invites the game changer called God into the situation. Everywhere in the scripture, you see it over and over again. David did not go into battle uncovered. When David went into battle, he was bathed in prayer. And because he was bathed in prayer, God put the supernatural anointing that only comes from God on a little stone. And it became a guided missile that sank into the forehead of a giant that wasn't supposed to go down because when you pray, the game changer steps into place on your behalf. The scripture said that day God fought for man. Why? Because Joshua prayed. Who do you have on your team? If you play in the NBA, you want LeBron on your team. If you play in the NFL, I guess you want Patrick Mahomes on your team. 
Sorry, 49er fans. If you play in the MLB, you probably want Mike Trout on your team. But I, I don't play on any of those leagues. Most people don't. I play in a league called Life. In a league called Life, there's one person that's got to be on my team. I want more people on my team, but there's one person that's got to be on my team. And that person is the game changer. And here's how I make sure that the game changer is on my team every single time I step into a situation and why I'm, I'm, I'm really vulnerable if, if I don't do this. I pray because when I pray, I invite the game changer to come onto the scene. Would you stand on your feet?